I know. I know, this podcast episode, this title may shock you, but yes, I am actually going to record an episode based around food for a change. <laughs> We're not going to delve too deeply into, actually, we've, we probably will. You know how these things go. Tends to be, you know, start off with all the premise of personal training and all of that jazz, and all of a sudden we end up in the mindset fucking territory. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 85 of the Moyes Health Podcast. Thank you if you are a returning listener and if you're here for the first time, give it a chance. (laughs) Here we go then. Let's dig into it. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, one of the common things I hear on both programs that I run, particularly from people at the beginning of their journey, is I feel like I'm eating too much. Not to mention they also struggle when there are days when they have more to consume. And so, that is where we're going to be going today, is the topic we are going to delve into. And as always, through listening to these podcasts, if you have any questions, then by all means, fire them over. At Chris Moyes on Instagram, send me a little message on there, let me know not only what you thought of the podcast, or podcasts, if this is not your first time, uh, then please feel free to drop me some questions related to the podcast as well. I'm always open to discussion, so much so that if you guys would like me to jump on a regular Facebook Live each week, then do send me a message. Would love to kind of chew the fat, I guess quite literally, with regards fat loss, weight loss, fitness, and everything that goes along with it. So if that was something that you guys would like, a live podcast, if you will, then yeah, let me know. Something we can put together. Just send me hashtag live and I will uh, put the wheels in motion. Anyways, like I said, nutrition, food, eating too much. Let's get into it. So the first thing that we need to look at is the relationship between the volume of food and calories. Because more often than not, we've always thought that more food equals more gaining of weight, if you will. You know, if you see someone with a massive plate in front of them or a massive bowl in front of them, then we automatically associate that with, oh, you're going to gain weight. But let me give you a prime example. Let's say you took the tiniest of bowls of granola. So we're talking those, you know, those little bowls like where you feed your cat in. Nothing which is particularly deep. You could probably get everything out. In fact, best example, those freaking dessert things, goos. Okay, you know, you know the glass goo bowls. Okay, take one of those for example. Fill that with granola to the brim. Okay, no room for milk, but we don't worry about that now. Fill that to the brim with granola. Now get your big ass freaking dessert bowl and fill it with Rice Krispies. Both of them are cereals. However, Rice Krispies are much less calorically dense than granola. Granola is one of the most calorically dense foods you can get. It's also one of the foods I probably should have included in my attempt at 20,000 calories in one day. Unfortunately, I I didn't listen to the people around me, so I didn't do that. (laughs) By the way, if you want to laugh, go on YouTube, tap in Chris Moyes, 20,000 calories, and yeah, enjoy. (laughs) or not, as the case may be. Spoiler alert, I didn't do 20,000 calories, and it's quite a painful video for me to watch, or for you to watch, just watching me struggle to eat that much food. Um, Yeah, anyways, I digress. My point is that although you have two very different volumes of food, you've got a shitload of Rice Krispies, you've got bugger all granola, the calories are what's important. Now, calories are just a unit of energy, same as what's 
in a light bulb or electricity, okay? Calories denote how much energy is within that food. Now, there is more energy in that tiny bowl of granola than there is in that large bowl of Rice Krispies. However, because of our previous thinking of more food equals more likely to gain weight, if you saw someone with that small bowl of granola and then you saw someone else with the massive bowl of Rice Krispies and someone said to you, without obviously prior knowledge of what I'm about to disclose or what you may very well have learned already, you would look at it and go, well, surely the person with the giant cereal bowl with the giant portions is more likely to gain weight than the other person. However, like I said, this is the first misconception we must get over. Volume of food is not directly comparable to calories. It all depends on the food, the, 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 the caloric nature of that food. To go back to a previous podcast when I talked about Fat Loss 101, fat has more calories than carbs. Carbs and protein have about four calories per gram. However, fat has nine calories per gram. So if you have a higher fat diet, you're naturally going to have less volume of food because for every gram of food you're having, you're getting more calories. So it's important first and foremost to not compare size or like I said, volume with how many calories are in it. And it's the calories that determine fat loss, fat gain, and of course, maintenance, not the volume of food. You could eat, you know, an entire fucking dining table's worth of salad. And as long as you're not in a caloric surplus, you wouldn't gain any body fat. So let's get that one out of the way straight away. The thing we also have to consider is when people begin pro uh, programs as well and they go with this mindset of I feel like I'm eating too much, even without any direct change this for this, you know, someone telling them what to eat because that's not the way that I structure my programs. My attitude is very much based around education and on experimentation and about taking someone's diet that they've already got and adapting it to suit them as opposed to starting all over again with a meal plan because all I'd be doing then is just going, these are the foods I like to eat, please eat these as well. Doesn't make sense. Food's a very personal thing, personal tastes. Use the diet you've already got and adapt it. But as you begin a program, a diet or a fat loss phase, let's call it, you're automatically going to be more mindful of what you're up to. You're gonna be thinking about your choices. As you begin to track on MyFitnessPal, NutriCheck or whatever, and you begin to really think about the choices you're making with food, you will automatically make better decisions. You'll automatically err towards what you previously deemed as the healthier options of food. What that effectively means is you will automatically err towards calorically light but voluminous foods. In other words, you will make natural changes to your diet where you end up eating more, most of the time anyway, there are exceptions. And so your attitude will be, I'm eating more than I was eating previously, yet how can I lose weight? Or if you've already done your first weigh-in, how am I losing weight? And the issue, as I said, comes from this attitude of more food equals more calories, and that's simply not the case. You're more mindful, you're thinking more about your choices, therefore you're naturally making better choices, which therefore is giving you more food volume, because obviously more food volume is gonna make you feel fuller. You know, we want to eat more. Um, but, of course, you're reducing the higher calorie options that you were having previously. 
you know, let's not beat around the bush. Before people begin their diets, look at the choices they're making. There's a lot of calorically dense foods in there. Chocolates, the takeaways, the fast foods, the posh coffees, the alcohol, all of these things, you know, the pastries, they're all calorically dense. Funny enough, they've all got a decent amount of fat in them, save a few of them. But my point is that they are very calorically dense foods. However, if we remove those foods and we start making better choices, like going for leaner meats and, you know, more less processed carbohydrates, things like that, then your food volume is going to go up whilst your calories go down. So like I said, just recognize that there is not a direct relationship between volume of food and calories, okay? More food will not cause you to gain weight. It's the calories which are king. Another one of the issues tends to stem around terminology and the language in which people use. Because when people enter diets, the attitude is automatically, food is bad. Food is what's caused me to gain this weight, therefore I need to reduce how much of it I have. A little bit like a drug addict needs to reduce their amount of their consumption of drugs, or an alcoholic needs to reduce their consumption of alcohol. We believe the same is true when it comes to dieting. I need to reduce my consumption of food. But we're missing the wood through the trees. We're believing that food is the issue, and that's incorrect. It's our choices of food. And to delve deeper into that, it's our choices of food because we're choosing calorically dense items. Let me give you an example which hopefully all of you will understand. Let's say I gave you £3,100 per month. Okay, it's not a bad salary, is it? But that will give you £100 per day. Now, that's your £100 to spend each and every day. But if you spend more than £100, you're eating into tomorrow's. And then if you spend more than that, you're eating into subsequent days. Now, if you're careful and you're mindful and you make good caloric choices or good financial choices, you won't spend more than your £100 per day. Therefore, you will be able to get through the month. But if in the first couple of days you end up blowing 500 quid a day, 700 quid a day, you are massively eating into your allowance, therefore making poor financial decisions which is going to leave you in debt or leave you without come the end of the month. Now, to turn this back to calories, people won't go without, not when they're not dieting. The attitude is that you'll kick the arse out of your calories when it comes to you know have one particular day and then the following day will just return back to normal eating again. So you'll spend, you know, to use my analogy, you'll spend instead of the 100 you've got, you'll spend 500 in one day. And then, yeah, maybe the next day you'll go back to spending the 100 again. But you're 400 pounds in debt. You've spent four, five days worth in the space of one day. And so extrapolate that over the course of the month. This is how people gain body fat. They go into debt, basically. They spend more calories than their body needs. We touched on this in the previous podcast. But the reason I go into this now is because money is not the problem. The same way that food is not the problem. The problem is your choices. Because even spending money is not the issue. To use my example, you had £100 to spend every day. Spending is not the issue. It's how much you're spending. And that is the issue when it comes to your body fat. It's not eating Food is not an issue. Do not look at food. Do not demonize food. Food is not your enemy. It's the choices that you're making. 
It's what you are choosing to spend your allowance on, which is the issue. And those are the things that we need to adapt. There's absolutely nothing wrong with higher spending every now and then. You're not going to go through life spending your 100 quid every single day. You're going to have days where you overspend, but then you're also going to have days where you underspend. But it's being mindful of the spending in the first place, which is what will lead you to the result. So let's dig a little deeper. Going back to what I was talking about previously in terms of terminology being the issue. We believe that food is the problem, but we've established that it's not. So we need to instead focus on fueling our performance, fueling fat loss, than starving fat loss. The mentality for so many years, exacerbated by tabloids, you know, magazines, etc., is that you need to starve yourself to achieve fat loss, but it's simply not the case. As I've touched on in the first 12 minutes of this podcast so far, you can actually end up eating more food to lose body fat. The fact is it's your choices, not how much you have. When I say fuel performance as well, that can easily be attributed to in the gym or physical activity, but performance is each and every day. You need to get out of bed. You need to use your body. That's what calories are for. Never mind lifting weights or anything like that. I'm going to push that to one side for a second. Simply your day's performance, both physically and mentally. A lot of people don't realize that your brain is a massive consumer of calories. It needs energy to do what it does. And so if you're starving yourself, your brain is not going to be functioning particularly well. So we need to change the terminology, the language in which we use. We need to fuel our performance. We need to fuel fat loss rather than starve for it. Because starving for it is only going to lead to one route. And that is, well, I would say one route. One of many damaging routes, which is eating disorders. It's a lack of progress. It's binges. And it's a myriad of different things that will come along if you try to over-restrict yourself. Because you're not going to stick to it. Which brings me quite nicely onto my next point, which is sustainability. I've spoken, I think, pretty much in all 85 podcasts about this. And so we're going to do it again. <laughs> My point is, so many people focus on what do I need to do to achieve the result? But they don't focus on keeping it up. Because, let me tell you, the issue that people have is they begin diets when they are the most enthusiastic for it. They're potentially feeling their worst about themselves physically. They begin the diet, and so they're enthusiastic about the diet itself, and they make all of these big changes. Not to mention, if they sign up for a program, be it one of mine, there's a little bit of skin in the game financially as well. So they've got, initially, all of this drive. I feel shit, I've paid money, and I am motivated. They're in that honeymoon period. But what happens over time is... Once the payment skin in the game has passed and the enthusiasm has waned, you're left with a goal that you care a little bit less about because there's not as much urgency as there was when you first saw that picture, tried on that bikini. In that moment, those emotions have dissipated. And so you then find yourself with a goal that you don't care as much about as you did then, so you're less enthusiastic about it. But you then find yourself with this to-do list of... Oh, I need to track my calories. I need to adhere to my deficit. 
And this is why so many people stumble once they get past the honeymoon period because they're left with a load of stuff on their to-do list that they don't really want to do. They know they ought to. They know they should do it to achieve the goal. But the problem is the enthusiasm for that goal has also waned. So the driving factor is no longer there because it's not quite as raw and emotional as it was when they went, oh, I'm sick of this. I feel like shit. I'm signing up. Not to mention that feeling of I've just paid money is dissipated as well because it's in the past. We're not feeling that pull of, oh, my bank balance has dropped, etc. Anyways, I digress. My point is that you need to create a system, a structure, a routine based around enjoyment. I mentioned earlier about the way that I structure things, which is using someone's current diet. If someone is already eating chocolate bars, drinking alcohol and having takeaways, I am not going to walk into their life and remove those things because it doesn't make sense to. It is not sustainable. They are going to drink alcohol in the future. They are going to have chocolate in the future. And funnily enough, they're probably going to jump on Just Eat in the future and order a fucking takeaway. So why in God's name am I going to get rid of these things temporarily simply to achieve a result? And that is what so many people do. They go with the mentality of, I want to achieve this. I will do whatever's possible. But you fucking won't. You will during the honeymoon period, but you won't down the line. This is why my freaking number one buzzword is sustainability, because people don't achieve overnight. You didn't put on the body fat overnight. You must make sure that the approach you're taking is one you can stick to, even when you don't fucking feel like it anymore. You've got to make sure your diet is still fun at times. You've got to still make sure you have the ability to relax and unwind. More calories at the weekend, perhaps. You've got to make sure you're not doing copious amounts of exercise that not only you can't recover from, but you don't enjoy. This is why the approach you take must be based around sustainability and your attitude towards food must be based around sustainability. You mustn't remove all the foods thinking they're bad. There are no bad foods. There's just calorically dense foods and calorically light foods. Most of the time, the dense foods are not particularly nutritious and the ones that are calorically light are nutritious, but that's not always the case. There are no bad foods. Food is not your enemy. And so from a sustainability perspective, we must go with the attitude of fueling performance and giving ourselves as many calories as we possibly can to lose body fat at a rate we are comfortable with because if we simply go with the mentality of, I'm going to fucking starve myself, you're going to end up with a whole host of problems, one of which being you didn't achieve. Rant over. <laughs> the, um, the other thing we've got to look at, and this is an analogy I use quite a bit with my clients, is let's say you've got a maintenance calories of 2,300 per day. Okay, so 2,300 calories per day is what you can consume to maintain your current weight. This is pretty standard for most women, by the way. So girls, you might be shocked by that. But most of my clients, female clients, they end up finishing their journeys around sort of between 2,000 and 2,300. Anyways, I digress again. If said 2,300 maintenance calorie woman decides to drop her calories right the way down to 800, the bigger the hole you dig yourself when it comes to calories the bigger the hole you have to climb out of come the end of your journey. And what I mean by that is if you adapt and you get used to eating 800 calories per day, 
it's going to be seriously fucking difficult for you to suddenly add in 1500 calories per day on top of your 800 to get you up to a maintenance level of 2300. The behavior you're going to have to adopt to get those calories in your diet is going to be a mindfuck because you've dug yourself so much of a hole, you have lost touch with what normal eating is. And so when your coach comes along, or worse, because a lot of people don't think there is a lot that needs doing when it comes to maintenance, but believe me, it is one of the hardest parts of someone's journey to encourage them to eat more after they've gone through a period of a calorie deficit because their mentality is, I've worked so hard for my results, I don't want to lose them, I'm just going to hover around the 15, 1600 calorie mark per day. No, 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 no. Your calories need to be higher than that, otherwise you will continue to lose, you'll continue to be malnourished, and there will be other issues. So, the bigger the hole you dig yourself, the harder it is to climb out of. It is much easier to go into a 500, 700 calorie deficit per day, and then climb out of that hole afterwards, gradually introducing 100, 200 calories per week, than it is to climb out of a fucking 1,500 calorie deficit hole. Not to mention adhering to that 800 calories per day. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck factoring in birthdays, social events, freaking weekend, anniversaries, Christmas. Yeah, best of luck with that. Let's see how sustainable, let's see how sustainable the results you achieve are. Let's see how much not only you can actually lose by depriving yourself, but let's see if you can actually achieve anything. Because the net result of that is, I'd say no. And for the few people that are bloody minded enough to get to the end, you're not at the end. Because welcome to the next six months where you will gradually put the weight back on again because you haven't learned what normal eating is like. So once you try to eat normally again, holy shit, I have gained two dress sizes in the space of a week. Don't deprive yourself to lose body fat. It is not the optimal way. It's not the sustainable way. It's not the healthy way, mentally or physically. Be smarter about how you do this. And I promise you, you will not only achieve, but you will keep the bloody results as well. So you don't have to do this fucking journey again. <laughs> And so this brings me quite nicely onto my final segment, which is based around sustainability and normal eating. Because, as I've mentioned, we must continue to touch base with what normal eating looks like. Not just making sure that your caloric deficit is not extreme, but also on having days where we consume a normal maintenance level of calories. Not maintenance in the sense of you won't lose body fat or weight that week, but maintenance in the sense of a day where we consume an amount of calories which is maintenance, or multiple days. This is where things like refeeds and diet breaks come into play. Because it is important that we continue to establish what normal eating is like. Because let's just take an overview of your journey. Before you began your diet program, etc., you were overconsuming, you were gaining weight. Therefore, you didn't know what normal eating was like there because normal eating caused you to gain. So you don't have a perception of what normal eating is. You were overconsuming. Then you entered said deficit. Again, 
in a caloric deficit, making choices to reduce your calories to elicit a fat loss response, not normal eating. And then, now your journey is complete, you need to maintain that, or hell, you're still within your deficit and you're having a refeed day, you still don't know what normal eating is. You haven't eaten normally to maintain your weight and obviously look after yourself for years potentially. And this is why a massive part of the journey is not just get the body fat off me, it's we must show you what a normal day looks like. Right when you have a period off work, or ladies, if you've had children, you have what's called back to work days. A day where you go in, you just touch base, you kind of just do a few hours just to re-establish yourself with the team, the environment, the job. Same thing goes for your diet. During the deficit, it is important. You have things like refeeds and diet breaks to touch base with what normal eating is going to be like in the future. Not a day where you binge. I am not a fan of cheat days because cheat days, well, they they conjure up feelings of being naughty. In fact, they directly conflict with everything that I've spoken about earlier on in this podcast in terms of a relationship with food. A cheat day is I'm going to fill my day with all of the naughty foods. No, because a cheat day is simply facilitating the issue had in the first place, thinking food was bad. Food is not bad. Nothing wrong with pancakes, nothing wrong with waffles, nothing wrong with fast food, nothing wrong with burgers, chocolate, you get my drift. So we must touch base with what normal eating is like during your deficit to get you ready for the end of your deficit. Otherwise, you're going to have one hell of a fucking culture shock when all is said and done. So like I said, this is where refeeds and diet breaks come into play. A day of higher calories, a day of maintenance calories, maybe a period of maintenance calories, perhaps a weekend or a week in total. A day where we don't track your calories, where we intuitively track your calories. We mindfully make decisions about the foods that we are having. All of these are bloody important elements of keeping the result. You're not going to spend the rest of your life on my fitness power nutri check. Let's be real for a second. So you, in your own mind, intuitively, with everything you've learned from the journey, must be able to sustain without the use of these apps, etc. They'll be there, of course. Use them. If you think things are going a little bit awry, then bring them back into play for a week or so. But you must not rely on them for the rest of your life. Because that means that there is work left unfinished when it comes to your transformation. And so we've touched on why they're necessary. So how do you recover from them? Well, through experience, because these days, higher calorie days, you automatically bring in some of the poorer choices that you had previously. Nothing wrong with that. I myself, when I have a higher calorie day, what the fuck do you think I'm gonna have? I'm not gonna fill it with salad. I have some fucking chocolate. I'm going to have a takeaway. Okay, I'm going to have something which I've not been able to fit into my calories because it's so calorically dense. It's so expensive calorically wise. Well, I've not been able to fit it into my normal deficit calories. So of course, that's what I'm going to have. But how do we get over that? How do we get over that the following day when all of a sudden we've reawoken all of these demons that led us to needing the diet in the first place? Well, 
The first things first is we need to understand the purpose of the refeed. We need to understand everything I've spoken about so far to accept what we're doing, to not just do the refeed, to not just have the higher calorie day and be done with it, to understand its purpose. Then, the following day, or the night before the following day, we need to regain control of the elements that led us to the diet in the first place. At the very, very beginning, the issues that led us to cause, or caused us to gain the weight in the first place. A lack of organization, a lack of mindfulness, a lack of structure, routine. That's what we need to do to recover post-refeed. Need to get your ducks back in a row when it comes to the next day. So therefore, like I said, have the structure. A great way of using those refeed calories is if you do exercise, book an exercise class or a gym session the following morning because you have got a shitload of calories bouncing around your system. You've got a shitload of energy. Your performance is going to be epic. So use it. Use that energy to fuel that performance. The following day as well, there's likely to be some psychological fuckery too because it's going to feel odd. It's going to feel weird. It's almost going to feel a little bit like when you've had those previous binges where you've gone overboard. You wake up the next day feeling guilty, but you shouldn't feel guilty for a refeed day. What you're doing is you're teaching yourself. We don't learn through just being told. We learn through experience. So if we don't experience these days and we don't experience these feelings, then we're never going to evolve as individuals. The whole purpose of refeed days is you are experimenting with a higher calorie day, but you're doing it within a controlled environment. You haven't just said to yourself, have whatever the fuck you want. You've raised your caloric ceiling to a specific number and you've mindfully chosen different options. And you've automatically also said to yourself the timeline in which you are going to do that. You've given yourself a day, or of course in the case of a diet break, you've given yourself multiple days. But there is a timeline, okay? There is a window. These are the rules, these are the calories, this is the timeline, when it's done, you settle back to normal again. Now of course, Hunger can sometimes be a little bit weird after a refeed, but this is because of the internal demons that have been awoken. It's not anything to do with you being physically hungry. How can you be? You've just consumed a load of calories the day before, and you've hardly starved yourself as far as food frequency is concerned. The apparent hunger is those demons pulling at your purse strings again. Go on, have some more. Make it a second day. That was really good yesterday. Let's have it again. This is where the discipline, the self-control, and most importantly, the mindfulness must come into play to understand the purpose of the refeed and to understand what it is we are trying to achieve. But structure is key. Get your ducks in a row for the following day, even the night of the refeed, making sure that you do all of the basics, keeping yourself busy, booking the exercise session, as I spoke about, if that's your thing, and of course, making sure you have your diet structure back in play again. There will be another opportunity for a refeed, and there must be to teach you about the journey itself. So folks, there we go. Don't have a title for this one yet. Probably it's going to be Food Is Not Your Enemy, but that's what I've wanted to I guess, delve into and explain in this particular, I guess, slightly longer episode this week. Food is not your enemy. Food is not the problem. The consumption of food is not the problem. 
consumption of higher calorie food is not the problem. It's the frequency of which you consume that higher calorie food, the mindless choices. These, amongst other things, are the reason that you've got to the point where you need to reduce your body fat, where you're uncomfortable with the amount of excess energy your body has stored. That's body fat, by the way. So guys and girls, I hope you have taken a lot from this podcast. Whether you have done your journey, middle of your journey, about to begin your journey, or not even fucking thinking about it yet, I hope there's a lot that you've taken away from this podcast. I have got coaching slots available, so if any of you would like help with the direction of which to take as far as yourself, your own life, your caloric level, then give me a shout. Same thing goes, not just the direction, but the accountability to make sure you stick to it, and most importantly, the implementation of that process. It's very, very difficult sometimes to know your ass from your elbow, to know where to start, what is sensible, because again, we've been locked into this mentality of starving ourselves so it's very very difficult to know what should i be eating because you're not going to get immediate results so it's very very difficult to go right what kind of caloric level should i be on what should my what are my maintenance calories where should my deficit be what is sustainable for me and that's where someone like me comes in so yes welcome to the advert at the end of the podcast the shameless plug of hi this is what i do for a living give us a shout so guys and girls Appreciate your time, as always. And, as always, when it comes to everything, particularly food, focus on the things of which you can control. Don't worry about the things of which you can't control. And then make sure you have the wisdom to know the difference. I fucked that one up a little bit, but we'll go with it. (laughs) I'm leaving it in. (laughs) Guys and girls, I'll see you on episode 86. All the best. Enjoy your week.